Welcome to the Find Your Awesome Podcast. My name is Kelsey Abbott. I'm a confidence coach and instigator of joy. I believe that we are all so much more powerful than we can possibly understand. My goal with these conversations is to introduce you to brave, vulnerable people who are finding and owning their awesome. My guests are leaning into what makes them unique and sharing that uniqueness with the world. I hope these conversations inspire you to break free from whatever is holding you back and to step into your own greatness. Welcome to the Find Your Awesome Podcast. My guest today is the one and only Grace Presley. Grace and I met at a mastermind in early February, and I, I actually didn't get a chance to really dig into Grace's story or her energy at that time, but since then, wow, this is one powerful, amazing, inspiring woman who is just like an epic storyteller. The way she tells stories with words and images and, and uses light, just you guys, I'm really excited to share this woman with you. Welcome, Grace. Oh, thank you, Kelsey. I'm so humbled. That's, that's amazing. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here too and to connect with you and your listeners and to be able to have space and hold this conversation. It's, it's so powerful. You are such a gift, my friend. And let's I just do this. to me one time, magic sees magic. So I'm going to reflect that back you magic mm. magic sister <laughs> that's true I said that I love it when I say things like that yeah. oh yeah I forgot about it <laughs> yeah well thank you for having me you're welcome so Grace you founded a story where you are a story worth loving yeah some movement it's a community yeah it's it is so, yeah it's it's a little bit of everything right now so it started um you are a story worth loving um Gosh, it just, it started out of really just sitting in my car (laughs) and thinking um, about, about this community that was being created, um, you know, through connections, through, um, through Instagram and through connections and through the power of storytelling, you know, and I had, I had been speaking with different individuals and we were talking about our stories and, you know, the power of of your story holds so much. I mean, you know that, like the power of the stories you used to tell yourself and the stories you tell yourself now and the stories of that you get to hold the pen and and write your own story is so powerful. And so when I was thinking of this community, you know, it's not that um, you are a story worth living. I mean, you are a story worth living. You are a story worth telling. You're a story worth writing. You're a story worth everything. But I think it all centers around back to love. Like it always comes back around to love. And those stories that we feel so ashamed of or scared of telling or scared of just sharing with everybody. Like I have a handful of those stories that I have shared, but a handful also that I have yet to share. Um, that eventually I will, but those are all worth loving too. You know, they make up who we are. And so when you can share those with whomever, when you can come back and center around back to love and know that your story is worth loving, that you are a story worth loving. I think that 
helps remove all those masks and those filters and the facades and the shame surrounding it and helps us just connect with one one another. You know, you'll, you'll hear so many people say, we've been storytellers from the very beginning. If you really dive into storytelling and we have like as a culture, as people, like that's how we connect with people. You tell stories every day. Your kids tell stories. Your husband tells stories. You tell stories. We we're constantly doing it. And so it's how we connect with one of one another and how we see eye to eye and how we just really, really remove those masks, I feel like. And um, there's so much power in that. And so I just kind of came to be in it. It's kind of been, it's been a movement that has grown very quickly. It started really back in February. And um, I kind of equate it to a wave that has taken off. Um, and, and I've really have been trying to figure out how to guide that wave, but it's no longer really my wave. It's just a community wave at how they're they're kind of guiding it, which is really powerful. I think it's been a really beautiful thing to be able to watch. And where are they taking it? I think it's taking it bigger into spreading the message. So with business, you know, they always say like niche down, niche down, niche down, you know, niche into something. Who's your, who's your target audience or whoever in business is, you know, I'm still learning. We're still always learning, but, um, this is centered around a message. So a story worth loving is the message and is the movement. And so I think people are wanting more. They are craving connection. People are so great. Like in a, in a society who, you know, thrives off of social media and connecting in that manner and online, which is so powerful. We're still craving the connection to be seen and to be heard and to hold space for each other. Because, you know, just like how you said at the beginning, we met at the mastermind, our connection would not be the same had we never met in person, you know, to be able to see each other or um, whenever you actually do get the chance to meet with girlfriends or people you haven't met in a while or past high school friends or whomever it may be um, to actually have those conversations other than like, how's the weather today? And, and dig in deep into those stories or whatever it is and actually see somebody and hold space for somebody that is so powerful. And so when I, when I share stories online, um, it's not really about me. I mean, it, it is. I, I tell those stories about me, but it is about the power that others hold within themselves too. You know, people say, Grace, you're so brave, but it's not about me being brave. It's about trying to reflect that back to you, that you have that bravery within you too, whatever, whatever your brave looks like, whatever your story is, whatever stories you hold shame about. You know, you don't have to air your dirty laundry, but you have the power to love those stories and to just shed that shame around it and connect with others in whatever manner that looks like for you, whether that's journaling. You know, I think I think the moment we expose our truth is the moment we begin to rewrite our stories. And the moment I started to do that, like people will ask me, you know, Grace, how did you how did you start doing this? And that's the moment it happened. The moment I decided to expose my truth is the moment, the moment I began to rewrite it. And that's what I would like to see, see for other people too, see that they have, they have that power and they've had it all along to be able to do that. Do you remember the moment that you made that decision? 
Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, and I continually do that. So we, you know, the truth will come out any way it must. Um, so for me, my truth came out in the form of an eating disorder. Um, my truth was coming out, you know, through my skin and my actions and through my relationships and through just everything, how I was treating myself, you know, there was no love there. Um, and so there was a moment there in college when I had an eating disorder where I did tell the truth to my mother. She already knew. Moms already know. I mean, mamas know everything. You don't have to tell them, <laughs> but I did, you know, and I, I sought help for that. But for my truth, um, the first time I actually used my voice to expose the truth, um, when a, a huge truth, what was happening in my marriage, which would be to utter the words domestic violence. Um, and in the military, that's huge. You know, there's, there's this kind of like quiet whisper, quiet hush, like you don't say that. Um, and the moment I did that was, oh my gosh, it was life changing. And you don't realize that in the moment, you don't realize like the moment, like I'm going to expose my truth, lay it down naked, lay it down, whatever. Like it's very vulnerable. It's scary to do. But looking back at that hindsight 2020 is, it is a moment that completely rewrote where my path was headed, you know, and I'm, I wasn't grateful for it in the moment, but I'm certainly grateful for it now to be able um, to reflect on that. Yeah. Who's the first person who witnessed you first saying domestic violence out loud? Oh gosh. Um, my mother knew. So my mom knew, but she lived with us. And so that's, I think that's a little bit different. Um, but to be able to, to say it to someone outside of, I guess my circle who kind of knew, like my friends knew, but here's the thing with them knowing, like, even though they knew they couldn't help me because I had not made the decision to help myself. And so when I made the decision to help myself, which was ultimately the decision to help my child first, because I, I still wasn't there really wanting to help myself. Um, I reached out to, uh, it was army family services or whomever. And I was still actually remaining anonymous on that line. And, um, not telling them who I was. And then it just, it started to escalate worse and worse and worse. And so finally I called back and I went and I met with this woman and, um, her name was, I'll never forget her name. Her name was Marsha. She was amazing. And she, um, she just helped me so much. And eventually, you know, I had to tell my story to other people, um, where they had to investigate and do all these things, CID. And for my voice to be silent for so long, for a husband to say, you know, nobody will ever believe you or, um, you know, nobody cares. Nobody's going to believe these things that you're doing to be able to utter the words domestic violence was huge for me because I still, there are still some times where I'll write things or I'll journal and you still kind of have that little voice in the back of your head. Like nobody believes this because it, it sounds so crazy. Some of the things I write that actually happen sound so crazy, but they happened. And, um, you know, they did believe me, you know, I actually, during the interview, a woman stopped the whole interview and she came to me and she said, Grace, you don't have to be afraid anymore. She said, you know, we believe you. And for somebody to reflect that back to you, it was just, 
I mean, it, it breaks you open. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How do you reconcile? I mean, do you feel like that woman that was in the abusive relationship, do you feel like, can you put yourself in her shoes right now or does she feel so different from the woman you are now? I can certainly put myself in her shoes and she's very different. So I think when I share stories and when I talk about a story worth loving, having radical empathy is radical. So two things, radical empathy and radical transparency is where I operate from. Um, because I feel like, like, I don't want to leave this world holding on to anything, you know, anything inside here. Like, I just want to, uh, you know, why, why it just feels so heavy <laughs> and I felt heavy for so long. And so that woman, that woman who dealt with domestic violence was also a woman who married a man who treated her the same way she felt about herself. And so now I would never allow that. Um, now I, I would, I, I just, I have moved and I have worked on myself and I have moved that baseline. You know, the baseline continues to grow where my baseline probably, my, my baseline was my rock bottom for how I allowed people to treat me and what I received from them to now self-worth and worthiness um, is something I continue to work on. You know, we still have those little voices in the back of our head, but um, the woman that I am today certainly would not allow that, but she still has definite empathy for those that do come to me. You know, I have people that will message me, um, with, with asking me for tips about domestic violence or with eating disorders or abusive relationships or just different things like that. And, you know, my heart certainly reaches out to them as well. Yeah. And you are, I mean, it's so interesting, the different parts of our journey. So like if, if your husband treated you the way that you were treating you, yeah, then in a way, what a gift Yeah, because you were able to see that and then to change the way you were treating yourself. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, in the moment, it's certainly not a gift, but it's, it's funny how, you know, personal development happens or how you go on this path of, you know, like it's, it's certainly a radical transformation, but, um, and it's one that never ends, you know, you just continue to grow and to transform yourself. And, um, it, it is a gift. I never would have looked at that, you know, even two years ago as something that was a gift. And here's the thing too, you know, I, I would have, been in victim mode a lot too, like um, how I viewed myself and my story. And so with how now I no longer associate myself with like the, I don't think I'm explaining <laughs> very well with how I, I view that person, you know, those stories, although they're part of me, they don't define me. I hope that makes sense. Yeah, that's the difference between being like, I am, I am a victim yeah. versus I experienced these things. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that mindset, that mindset shift is so, so key. Um, and it's something that does just doesn't happen overnight. So for the listeners, you know, if, if something is happening, happening to you, you know, I kept on thinking for the longest time, gosh, these things keep happening to me, to me, to me, victim mode. Why is this always happening to me? But I was also allowing it to happen to me. And so I never realized for the longest time, you have the power to one, change your mindset, but two, to make that choice that these things don't have to happen to me, that you can make that choice to change at any moment in your life. Like it's the simplest thing, but it's also one of the most profound things that I've learned along the journey. You know, you have that moment at any point in your life right now, not tomorrow, not Monday, not next month, just simply right now. And it starts with that. And and I think that awareness, so knowing that you have a, a choice and that awareness surrounding that is key. And a lot of the things that people were just not simply taught those things, you know, in school or personal development in school. And so we just sometimes forget and we don't know. And so when I've, I've learned that, you know, that's one thing, just going back to basics and telling people, and it seems so simple, but it's a radical transformation. And it is once we realize that we we always have a choice. Yeah. In every second of every day, we always have a choice. And we can never control how other people are behaving. Yeah. But yeah. we can always control how we're showing up. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. And, and I think for me too, for the longest time, I wanted to to control how he felt about his family. So how my ex-husband felt about, like, I just wanted him to love us. That's all I wanted. And I wanted to control, um, you know, more love and to not, you know, not do the things that he was doing, but you simply can't. And it was just finding a losing battle. And so even, you know, gotcha. And the simplest things I had somebody message me the other day, and we were talking about, you know, eating disorders and weight loss. And I think there's a meme even on, on Instagram or something, but it's like, if you eat one cookie, your day is not completely lost, you know? So you don't go and eat like the whole box of cookies and just ruin the whole day. Like you have a choice in that moment to decide that, you know, it's fine. And you just go on about your day where before, you know, it's, it's kind of self-sabotaging and, um, you just don't realize that you have that choice. You know, it's like all or nothing kind of thing too. So it, it has, like I've completely evolved from that person, from the 18 year old girl with an eating disorder that quite frankly was there, you know, two, three years ago to, you know, domestic violence, to um, going through divorce, 20 grand in debt, to I was in jail, um, him accusing me of the things he was doing to me. I was fired from my job and all of those things. You know, you, once you actually hit rock bottom and you have nowhere else to go, you really have to look at yourself at that bottom and, and put the pieces back together because you, you, otherwise you just break and, and you stay there and it's not a pretty place to be. Yeah. Yeah. And where are you now? I'm constantly evolving. Definitely. Um, you know, I, I think social media too, and I hate to keep bringing this back to social media, but it's what we, what we're constantly looking at and what we're fed and what we're dealing with. And so 
social media may portray these accounts where they're pretty and where people don't have bad days. I certainly still have bad days, you guys. If you're listening to me, I'm not a know-all, be-all, like this light glitter confetti raining down from the sky every day, just sunshine. It's not that. (laughs) Trust me, it is certainly not that. I just had a very long discussion with uh, my partner and it was a very deep discussion, you know, and not a, not a pretty one, but you know, the awareness surrounding where we are is so essential to how we feel and how our growth continues to evolve. And so, um, mine today is just one that centers around that awareness. You know, I don't really have like a meditation practice or a journaling practice, or I don't listen to music or sometimes, you know, I exercise to help me feel better and just move my body. But for me, the simplest thing is just having awareness around how I feel because for the longest time, how I felt was just shameful and everything. And I allowed that to dictate everything. So I wasn't in tune with how I actually felt. And so just allowing that to be and to sit with it and to sit in the silence or to sit in the mess or to have those conversations is so powerful. And so hopefully, you know, for listeners listening, if that's all you need to do is just to be aware of how you're feeling, that can be the first step in anything, you know, and to write it down or to, to do what you need to do. But um, it is definitely a continual process. I think it is for everybody. Um, you know, you can stay where you are. You continue. You can continue to grow. I love what you say about just awareness of what you're feeling. I think that's such a key piece to. Well, I would say one that that is. It's not a meditation practice, but it is a mindfulness practice. Yeah, because so much of what people in our society do is numbing. We don't want to feel whatever we're feeling. We don't even want to know like what it could possibly be. So just keep being busy, busy, busy. I mean, there are so many different ways to numb like drugs, alcohol, busyness, sports, work. There are a million things. Um, But a lot of people struggle with having the words to describe how they're feeling. I love that you use the word shameful because I think that that's something that, uh, that most people, when you ask them how they're feeling, it's either sad, happy, or angry. Yeah. Like three emotions. So what is, what does shameful mean to you? Oh gosh. Shameful is holding. So shameful for me is holding on to those stories that have either been written for you or that you tell about yourself or whatever it is, but the ones that you wouldn't want to tell your best friend or the ones that you wouldn't want your mother to know or the ones that you think that fear surrounds it or people are going to judge you for. Or if you had, since I feel like social media and like Instagram stories sometime are like a little reality TV show. Like if somebody was in your heart, a little reality TV show in your heart that you would go and hide those pieces of you, you would go and hide those stories of you because you wouldn't want anybody to know that. And so that's what shame is for me and shameful. I was so ashamed for the longest time about being a single mom, about being divorced, about my eating disorder 
um, about, oh Lord, about being in jail. I like telling that story was like, you know, what are people going to think about me? But also, you know, it happened, it happened and having radical transparency, um, about that helped me release the shame because I've told it and it just, it just, it's a story like it, it happened. And I know the truth behind it. I know my truth. And so, um, I, you know, I'm assuming or shameful looks like that for most people. Shame holds fear. Shame holds judgment. Shame holds, you know, a lot of worry and stuff, stress surrounding these stories that, that people have. And, you know, it's kind of like the skeletons in our closet. Mm-hmm. Want people to know. And um, so I think when people hear that, when I share these stories, they're like, oh my gosh, like, thank you for doing that. Now, vulnerability is great. We love vulnerability, but we don't want to do it, but we want somebody else to do it, you know? And I don't care to be the person who does that, but everybody can have that vulnerability and that transparency because it is so free. And it just, it truly is. It's amazing what happens when you release that shame. It's so true. And, and for some people that vulnerability might mean sharing your story on social media or even a a bigger stage. It might mean telling your best friend or your partner. It might mean like writing yourself a letter yeah, or even looking at yourself in the mirror and saying, saying the words out loud. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said before, I think, the moment you decide to expose the truth is the moment you begin to rewrite your story. And that is being vulnerable, you know, writing it down. However, vulnerability comes with truth. I think they're all intertwined vulnerability and shame and truth telling it's all intertwined there. But one, like if people don't, you don't have to go from sharing nothing to telling the whole world. You You certainly don't have to do that. Um, what I started to do, you know, I started to journal, I started to let friends in on what was going on in my life. Um, stuff, I started to tell a few, um, really close people and when they didn't judge me and they just were like, Hey, we see you. I was like, that's amazing. You know, that there was no judgment there. And then just doing it on social media, I don't know why I decided to do that. I just, it just started in that manner. And, you know, I just wanted to connect with more people. I, I think because people were craving it, you know, uh, people were certainly just reaching out and craving those stories. And once I did that, I realized the power in that connection. Um, you know, we all have those stories. We all hold that shame. We all have them, whether you know, whether it's extreme or whether it's something, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think it's all subjective to what, what our baseline is there. But um, just being able to connect with each other and share those stories and dig deep into our truth and our shame and our vulnerability and re- like just being transparent with each other is just so freeing. It's just, it's powerful. It allows us to see one another. And that's what we all want. Yeah. I think that's like the greatest human need is to feel seen. Yes. Yeah. And and that's, I mean, what's the point of posting on social media? Right? Yeah. <laughs> it's to be seen. It's to be seen and to be able to do it in an authentic 
in a vulnerable way and a transparent way, certainly just it connects us, I think, on a deeper level if we can't have that possibility of maybe being in person or having these conversations, you know, and I think that's powerful too. So podcasting for your listeners to know that people are having these conversations around this is so powerful, you know, like, wow, you know, a few years ago, I would have thought that nobody was talking about this. And that's where part of shame comes in too. Like nobody's having these conversations. People don't talk about this kind of stuff, you know, but they, they do. And that's part of where it allows you to transcend and to grow as well is to be able to hold space for those conversations and to see one another. Yeah. Once we, once we put words to things, as you say, like stand in your truth and speak your truth. Once we do that, we are in charge of how much power it has over us. Yeah. Yeah. We're in charge of it. And it, again, it separates that, that like I am. Yeah. So whenever like language is so powerful. So looking at it from a grammar perspective, if we say I am, we're using the verb to be. And my English teacher in high school, maybe before that, had us like cross out all the forms of the verb to be and just put an equal sign and then had us get rid of all the verbs to be. But, but when we are saying I am a victim, I am, even if you're saying like I am sick, mm-hmm. then there's no separation between you and that thing that you are labeling yourself. Yeah, absolutely. True. Yeah. And it's some of the most powerful words come after the two words I am. Mm -hmm. Like it's what you said, how you label yourself. We, um, I was at Crystal Honeycutt's retreat and that's actually what I started off my speech with is the words I am and how you define yourself. And so what, what do you say during the day? You know, what do you tell yourself during the day? Uh, I know I say a lot, I'm tired. <laughs> I am tired I'm, and I am tired, you know, or I am, I am, you know, it used to be I'm fat or, oh my gosh, you know, I am, I'm, I feel worthless, you know, but those words that you tell yourself define who you are, you know, and, and you hear that, you know, and your, your brain, I, I don't remember who I was talking to, but she was saying, you know, your brain actually, it, it makes these proteins, forgive me if I'm wrong, but it, it associates with what you tell yourself with who you are. And, and, you know, that is, that is so powerful with the words that you choose to use. So just even bringing it back to awareness again, being aware of the words that you choose to say after those two words, I am because I was saying it all the time without even recognizing it. I still do it, but at least I, I know I'm aware and I can change that, that thought process in the moment because I have the choice. And I think like we all do it. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. We all bash ourselves. We're all, people will say like, Oh, I'm my own worst critic. Okay. Yeah. So like you maybe most likely are, and you can change that. You can stop being a jerk to yourself. And start being your own best cheerleader. And I think that's weird for people. Mm-hmm. I, like it's awkward. <laughs> you know, that feels like, that just feels strange to cheer yourself on, you know, uh, because we don't normally do that. And that's looking at it now, it's strange not to do that. Like why, why are we not 
kind to ourselves? Why are we not uh, cheering ourselves on? Um, why do we get to this point? You know, I tell Sawyer all the time, you know, you can be anything you want to be. You have to love yourself first, you know, love yourself, even if he, he says things about himself and it just breaks my heart, you know, to hear a second grader say this, but you know, when you're a kid, you hear these things that you can, you can do all these things and, and be anything you want to be. But as adults, where does that, where does that switch kind of flip where we start to, it's kind of like a commonality where we all gang up on ourselves. And like, we even have these conversations within a group where we're all ganging up on ourselves, you know, and, and, um, downplaying our strengths or whatever. And, um, that's unfortunate that that's kind of our normality in society. Yeah. It becomes, becomes something people can bond over. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. And you know, women, women are good at it too. Um, moms are good at it. Um, you know, whether that's picking apart body parts or whether that's, um, laundry or things you have to do around the house or not completing the to-do list or whatever with a husband or, you know, all those kind of things. But, um, you know, when you start to realize that that voice in your head, as you call it, you know, the gremlin and, mm. and that, that it doesn't have to be a gremlin. You don't have to have that, you know, and you can change the way you talk to yourself. You can have awareness around it. You can have a choice. You can, you know, start telling yourself a different story, rewriting the story. You have the choice and the power to do that. It literally changes everything. Yeah, I want to sit with that for a second. We have the power to start writing a different story, to turn the page, pick up that pen, and say, like, that's not the ending. That's not what the next chapter is going to be. This is what the next chapter is going to be. How empowering is that? It's amazing, and it's amazing to, to realize that you have that power and that choice that actually you've always had that power and that choice. But now that you have awareness around that power and this choice, like you can't unknow what you know. (laughs) So for the listeners listening, like you're listening to this, you can't unknow that you have that choice to pick up the pen, to choose differently, to write your own ending, to choose. And I understand you know, I'll be the first one to tell you, I understand, you know, you say, but Grace, I have these obligations, but Kelsey, you know, I have work, but I've got my kids, but I've got this, but it doesn't have to start with this big overwhelming thing. It can start with one simple thing, one simple thing that, you know, you perhaps want to change or start with writing your truth, exposing whatever that truth is, writing it down and burning it or whatever. One thing And then, you know, moving on from there, you know, just getting it out in some manner. And then now you have awareness around that and you can choose differently every single day. Mm. I like that. And so Grace, let's, well, I have so much to say, so much I want to talk to you about, but I want to talk to you a little bit about um, your life right now. Yeah. As a business owner, a leader, a storyteller, a mama, a partner, a, a nurse, yeah. how do you do it all? Oh, gosh. You know, I think um, tra- balance is, is not 
attainable. <laughs> it, you know, you don't, you try to strive for balance. People say, oh, you know, there's no balance, but I don't think it is. It's not necessarily balanced equally. Okay. I feel like there is sometimes there's like 20, 80 or there's 50, 40, um, even just in marriage, you know, it's never always 50, 50, you know, it's, it's kind of an ebb and flow. And so you just, for me, I just, take one day at a time, honestly, and, and trying to get better as far as business and seeing where things are going and planning things out. I'm not a planner. I'm a creative mind. <laughs> and so with creative minds, there's really any planning and seeing where things are going, but, um, really doing it all looks like for me, just feeling better about not having to do it all. <laughs> like mm. you, know, you don't have to, you don't have to feel bad about not getting that laundry done or not, you know, for the longest time with business, even I would feel obligated to respond immediately when somebody sent me a text message. I don't have to do that. Um, I haven't been on Instagram for like two weeks, you guys. So <laughs> I don't feel guilty about that one bit because right now balance and I, I'm doing air quotes here balance for me is I still work night shift and I'm a nurse as well. And so, um, I, I was talking to Kelsey before the podcast started about my little guy going back to school. And so just enjoying those last few weeks with him going back to school while doing nursing while working on some business things, but not feeling bad about not posting on social media or getting back to the message right away or, you know, whatever that looks like. So, you know, we go through these seasons in life and uh, I'm learning to just go with the flow of the season too. And, and before, you know, a couple of years ago, I would have felt so bad. There would have been shame surrounding it, not getting back to the text message, not getting the things done, not getting the to-do list done. Although I've never been a type A person, um, there would have been these stories I would have told myself about what a bad person I am for not having it done. So there's lots of stuff, you know, just in the works and just going with the movement and how it feels and, and that feels better, you know, not having that negative voice telling me that I'm bad for not, not doing all the things. Cause I know we do that as women and as mothers. And there's so many opportunities to beat ourselves up over not doing things perfectly. And I think so many of us, it's easy to, to take that route. Oh yeah. To criticize ourselves. So the work comes in not in instead catching yourself and saying something nice to yourself. Oh yeah. Yeah. And you know, I, I have started getting up earlier in the day. I've got my journal and I'll get up and journal. I'm reading A Course in Miracles and A Return to Love. And so I'll journal and um, saying things nice to myself. It's not easy for me to do, but it has become easier with time. So like I mentioned before, the retreat that we went to that I spoke at with um, Crystal, we had to hold a mirror in front of our face and say all these affirmations about ourselves, And that is not easy to do. But um, I have... I've not continued with the mirror, but I have continued with writing things down. You know, you are, you are doing a great job at being Sawyer's mother. You are a great mother. You know, you're spending time with him. Um, you are a, you are a writer, you know, Karen Kenny at 
the summit, she, she was talking to me about riding. I was like, Oh no, I'm not. A, she's like, yes, you are. You are a rider. Now I want to hear you say it, you know, just different things like that. Uh, and just be nice to yourself. And mm -hmm. uh, simple things like that is, you know, it's, it changes your perspective. It changes your mindset. It's just your day, you know, and even if you do have those little gremlins come in, you still can have awareness surrounding that and change it. Yeah. Before I say anything else, I just wanted to share with you that when you say Sawyer's name, you say it with so much love. Oh, I just love It's him. so beautiful. It's like every single time you say his name, I can see you hugging him. Oh, oh that's going to make me cry. <laughs> I love him so much. He's just like my... He is so amazing. And, you know, I posted something on stories not too long ago and we had taken a selfie together and it was, we were just playing in his room and he's so much fun. He's such a fun kid, but it was just like all the bad stuff, all the bad stuff that you have to go through just to have this moment, like with, with him is so worth it. And I'll tell you something, you know, I, I think I would have been on that path, um, still or back in my marriage, I would have went back, but I had a moment and this is one of those pivot points. One of the moments of exposing your truth as well that we have in our stories where I had a counselor tell me, she said, Grace, she said, if anybody knew what was going on in your household, they would take Sawyer away from you because that's considered child abuse. And in that moment is because he can't protect himself. He can't go ask for help, you know, when domestic violence is happening. And in that moment, just everything changed. So like, he's just like my, like when you can't love yourself enough, but you can love your kids more than yourself, you know, that, that just changed for him. And he's just like, he's my little wingman. <laughs> I just love him so big. So. That reminds me of something Amber Lillestrom said, when I had her on the podcast, she talked about how loving her daughter was basically her gateway to loving herself. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, she's so true when she says that because, you know, you, you'll say these things to your children. Like I said before about if he'll say something negative about himself and, um, you know, you, you'll say, no, you know, you have to love yourself first. And it makes you reflect on yourself. Like all those years of, oh my goodness, how many, how many times have I not been nice to myself? Um, and I, you know, you feel like you're being a hypocrite or whatever. We just actually had this conversation to Sawyer was wanting to do something and he's like, no, we'll just wait till a better time. And I was like, well, why is it not a good time now? Why can you not do that thing now? And, you know, he was coming up with all these excuses and I was like, I feel like I'm listening to myself right now. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to teach him the same things too that sometimes I need to hear. And, um, you know, when we know better, we do better. And we can teach our children that too. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> our children teach us. Yes. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. He teaches me every day. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I want to back up too. You were, you said that you're more, you're not type A, you're more creative type. Oh yeah. And that's something you and I share. Yeah. And I think there are a lot of people out there that feel like to be an entrepreneur, you have to be type A. To be quote unquote successful, yeah. you have to be type A. Um, 
So I guess my first question for you is what does success mean to you? Oh gosh, success is how you define it. And so, you know, successful to me, I feel like I am successful, (laughs) you know, and in every way successful is, uh, you know, telling my truth, living my truth every day, whatever that looks like, um, that's successful to me. And I'm still working towards that, you know, eventually, you know, I have, I do have like a one-year plan. I've got a five-year plan. I've got a 10-year plan, all of those, not plan. Now, when I say plan, you guys don't let me get you mixed up here because I'm not a planner, but (laughs) it's these creative ideas in my head that I have planned. Um, but success is, is so much different than success I would have had for myself five or 10 years ago, where it looked like, you know, advancing my nursing degree into getting my master's into doing the things that we think that we're supposed to do. Success is more now following what feels good and what feels right and what feels good. You know, it, it just feels so good to spend that time with Sawyer or to, um, spend time and connecting with people um, in my business or knowing, you know, I might get a message that says, you know, you really helped me here or whatever just feels good for you. And that may be different for everybody. So success could look like for somebody else, you know, getting that first $1,000 in your business. I don't know. That's not, um, I do have monetary goals, but that's not what success looks like for me. So um there's a, I think a lot that goes into that, but it's certainly how we define it for ourselves. And okay. So what's, so back to the, my original thought about type A versus creative types. And maybe it would be more helpful if I were type A and could speak to this from <laughs> that perspective. But I'm wondering, like, do you find it to be an advantage, a disadvantage? Both, <laughs> definitely both. So I have, um, I have members on my team who are more type A, um, who help me with that, with numbers and just the small details of business things that I'm not, I'm not good at. So if you looked at my desk right now, there is stuff everywhere you guys well you can't really see it on zoom but (laughs) i've got books everywhere and i've got journals and i've got post-it notes and there's just stuff everywhere you know it's just that creative brain it's it's just it is what it is and um you know as far as you know notes in my computer and just writing you know they're everywhere and so it would certainly help to have it all organized and know specifically (laughs) where things are or specifically um, when you're planning something for business, like a launch, quote unquote, if you're going to launch something, which I don't launch anything really, (laughs) um, I've never launched anything that might change. I don't know. Um, or if you're going to plan out something coming in a couple of months, you know, it's, that's hard for me to do. So, um, but that's okay. That's okay. You can, you can have both you can go in your creative energy and not let that hold you back. You know, you can where if you feel like your type A is 
is lacking in your organization. You know, if that's not your zone of genius, certainly, you know, look into other places where somebody can help you with that. That has helped me. I don't feel like where before I would have felt like I was lacking in that or I was less than or not enough. I know that those aren't my strengths and I am okay with that not being my strength and delegating that out to somebody else. And that's totally okay. Like let somebody who it, that is their strength, who they love numbers and they love Excel files and spreadsheets, let them do their thing because I'm not going to do it. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. I'm with you completely yeah. down to the chaos of my desk around me. Yeah. There's just stuff everywhere. And And I know it frustrates people sometimes because if they're not in that creative mindset, they just don't get it, but that's okay. (laughs) You know, it's okay. And I don't, I don't judge it either way. You know, if they're not, or if they are like, that's cool. You can just, you can do your thing and that's, that's okay. (laughs) Yeah. My computer desktop drives my husband crazy. Yeah. He's like, how can you find things here? I'm like, I don't, I don't know any different. Yeah. Yeah. I don't either. And then I think too, when you try to force something, so you set these new year's goals or something like that. Okay. I'm going to get organized. I am going to organize everything and my life. And then it feels like a day later, (laughs) you can just go back to whatever. But, um, I have tried to do that so many times, or I try to keep a planner. Okay. And that lasts for about two weeks and I have no planner. (laughs) I've got one, but it doesn't, Um, I have actually got three of them and I try really hard, but I just can't, I can't go in that, that frame of mind. I think it's so funny because somewhere along the line and maybe multiple times, at least for me, I feel like I've learned you've got to be organized. Like it's better to be organized. Oh yeah. And maybe it's not for all of us. Like, you know, it's better if you've got a planner. Well, I make lists. They're just on index cards and post-it notes. Somewhere in my wallet or my purse at the bottom, maybe. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) Mine are all scattered around my desk and some of them are old and... Yeah. Who knows? Oh my gosh, yeah. Crystal said the same thing to me. She said, I think somewhere along the line, somebody told you it was bad to not be organized. And and my ex-husband was certainly type A, everything out to a T. And so I always felt very bad about not being that way and um, very bad about myself about not being that way, but I don't anymore because it's just, it is what it is. (laughs) I've had clients to be like, well, just like this year I'll get organized and, you know, we will have been working together for a while. I'm like, do you want to? Like, Like, I love the idea of being organized, but the actual process of doing it and then maintaining it, it's just not going to fly. Yeah, it's not. It's really not. I the idea, the idea of doing it is very appealing, but mm-hmm. it just, I know myself enough now. <laughs> yeah. My brain just doesn't work that way. Uh, it's not going to happen. It just won't happen, and that's okay. <laughs> I think there's so much power into stepping into our own unique style. Oh yeah, there certainly is, and then working in that flow and working in and where you shine, where your zone of genius is. And, and outside of that, you know, you can hit resistance. You can hit, you know, the, the questions of why can't I do this or constantly questioning yourself. And it doesn't have to, to be that way. You know, it feels so good when you kind of let those things go, that control go. 
yeah. And you, you have either other people step in or you realize that that's just not what I'm going to do. You know, it doesn't, we don't have to do that. Yeah, exactly. We get to do life together because we have different strengths. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I want people to bring in their whiteboards and do whatever people do with on, on whiteboards. Yeah. Are you a whiteboard person? No. <laughs> Not either. I've seen people do that. I'm like, that's a great idea. That is so good. And I'm like, no, that's never yeah. going to happen. <laughs> I'm the same way. I've got one in the closet. Yeah, yeah that's where mine would be too. Yeah. <laughs> Mike actually said, I've got this big blank wall back here, you guys, and it's empty and I take photos back here. But he's like, we should get a big whiteboard for you to like write down everything, all your ideas. And I'm like, are you serious right now? <laughs> it's never going to happen. Yeah. And so it wouldn't work. I love the idea. I love all those organizational tools. So cool. It's just, I'm not going to use it. Yeah. yeah not going to no. work for me. Me either. I'm glad. I'm glad we're on the same page with that. Like somebody gets me. So for those listening to like, if you're not organized. It's totally okay. There are others like you there. We're right here. There are. <laughs> Reach out to us, please. Yeah. It, it can be done. Your style is different and it's okay. <laughs> yeah. So Grace, one of my favorite questions to ask my guests is what is the scariest thing you've ever done? Oh gosh. Um, have a baby, <laughs> have a baby and know that I have to raise a tiny human. Um, that's scary like every day, but you do it. Uh, but as far as making a choice, I mean, that is a choice. Certainly. I think the other thing that comes to mind is, um, just telling my truth. Um, honestly, when I think back to that time, in the moment, that was absolutely the scariest thing that I had ever done. Because one, I had to say the words out loud. Two, I had to tell somebody. Three, what I knew as my life and what I held so dear to my heart, like the very thing that I would have fought tooth and nail over was to keep my family together. And the moment that I spoke those words out loud, I knew I would lose it. So that was that was just everything to me. Um, and the scariest thing to me, you know, to have to go do because I, it was just, I felt like an atomic bomb was just kind of like set off in that moment and it just shifted everything, you know, in my life, but it, you know, it, it had to happen. There was no, I mean, I certainly did have a choice, but I would have been on that same path for a very long time. So it was very, it was scary for a very long time. Which was this, Okay. So you may have just answered that question, but which was scarier, like that initial call you made or going in? I think going into tech. So there it's called CID. Um, the, and I don't remember what that is. It's been so long. The acronym stands for, but for the military, when you go in for domestic violence and you go and you had to, I had to go and tell my story. I had to go and tell everything that happened. I had to recount um, situations that had happened. I had to go and give dates. I had to write it all down. I had to, I had to essentially testify. And, um, that was, that was really scary for me. I mean, there were, there were other kind of little pivotal moments in there that were so scary. And I just, like, I just remember, oh my gosh, it was so bad. Just tears. And, and just at this moment of like pure, like utter brokenness you know I can look that poor girl she was such a mess and 
such a mess, just mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, just really a broken person. And so that would, was besides having a child, (laughs) certainly the scariest moment of my life, because I knew the very thing, like I said, the very thing that I held so dear to my heart was the one thing that I would lose that it was over with. So, and then all the things that circle around to that, the questions of your worthiness, okay, come into play. I'm a single mom now. Sawyer doesn't have a father. We're no longer a family unit. You know, I'm divorced. What's this going to look like? You know, all folds into that story. How did you start picking up the pieces after that? Oh gosh, it took a long time. I feel like (sighs) that didn't start happening until just even recently, you know, um, it starts with exposing the truth. You know, I keep saying that you guys, but truly it starts with exposing your truth. So with whatever you guys are struggling with, if it's relationships, if it is an eating disorder, if it's some kind of addiction, if it's, I don't know, you know, you have to get to the root of whatever it is. And from there, you can sit with it, you can look at it, you can feel it. But until you do that, until you allow, until you're ready for change, you're not going to change. And so you have to be able and willing to welcome that in. And so to pick up the pieces, you know, people will say, Grace, you're so brave, you're so strong, but I don't feel that way. I feel like sometimes the universe or God or source or light, whatever you guys want to call it, will intentionally put these disruptions in your life to make you make a change. Like you have to make a change. I feel like I wouldn't have done that on my own. I had to do it. And so when that change happened, I had to pivot and I had to start doing things differently. It's not because I wanted to, and it's not because I from here made that choice, but it's because things were placed there and I had to do it. Um, So to pick up those pieces, it didn't really look like self-care. It looked like running on rock bottom for a long time. And you can only do that for so long. Or, you know, you you just run yourself dead. (laughs) And and you can't do that when you're trying to take care of yourself and a baby and and a family. And so thank God during that time too – Um, you know, my mother lived with me and she was helping me through the divorce and stuff like that. So she was able to help me there. But eventually what it does look like too is creating boundaries. And so what do boundaries look like for yourself? You know, boundaries from my ex-husband, you're no longer allowed to contact me or to do these things or to say these things to me. And that took a long time. That took a very long time, even until recently things that were said or no longer replying to things he would send me because I'm no longer in that emotional state where his, what he can say, I react to, you know, but it, it takes time. It takes a very long time, especially when you're at rock bottom for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like you had a really strong support system. Yeah. Oh my gosh. In the moment, I, I don't think I have told my mother enough how much I appreciate her because goodness gracious, it was rough for a long time, but I'm so grateful for that. And, you know, I had girlfriends and, you know, but eventually they get tired of you, um, you being in victim mode too. And Mm -hmm. so they get tired of hearing it too. And eventually you just, 
you you just get tired of it. You know, you, you get tired of your, your old stories and, and maybe some people don't, maybe they like those old stories. Um, but I think sometimes, you know, if you want more and you're aware of more, you know that you can't stay on that same path. If, if you're going to be more, it just, it doesn't work that way. The equations don't work out that way for, for numbers people. It just doesn't happen that way. Life doesn't happen that way. Do you think you would be where you are now if you hadn't been through that experience? Oh no, no, I would still be, I think I would be dead, honestly. Um, you know, he, he threatened that multiple times. Um, and I, I think had I not made those choices that I did, whether I made them or I had the disruptions make them for me um, where I had to then make a choice from them. Um, I would still be in that situation because my, so I grew up in a single parent household with a single mother. So my idea of a family was whatever, do whatever to keep my family together because I did not want Sawyer to grow up with, um, without his father. But um, I would have went back, but um I think I would have been dead, honestly. And I'm so grateful I made those choices because it, it's been a radical shift and transformation. And I feel like, I feel like if such a broken person, I was so broken, you guys, um, for just the longest time, anybody can do it. You know, just anybody can do it. And you see stories, you know, it's so subjective for everybody, what your point of being broken and what rock bottom is. You know, you see stories of people losing their limbs or a loved one or, or whatever that looks like for you. But it certainly comes back to just awareness and choice and knowing that you're, you're worthy of that. You're worthy of loving yourself, of knowing that your stories are worth loving, that you're made for more, all of that stuff, that you're worthy of having that, that life that, you know, you were made for. And Grace, I think you're, you're doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing. Like you had bigger things to do. You had to go through that experience so that you could be the leader you are today and be the woman who's able to, to see everyone yeah. and support people when they're at their rock bottom. Yeah, I think so. And so I don't look back on that. You know, before I would have perhaps, you know, if there was anything you could change about your life, what would it be? And now I don't look at it like that. Like I wouldn't change anything because mm -hmm. one, I don't hold shame around it. Two, it would not have led me to now. And three, we wouldn't be having this conversation. And how powerful is it that we can have this conversation and at the same time know that people are listening, that it may touch lives, that it's going to connect with somebody, that, you know, that we can go on to do these things that we're meant to be doing, you know, for both of us. Like that in itself is amazing to be able to step into to what you're meant to be doing. And I, you know, that can shift, that can change, but I feel like it's always evolving and always growing, like I've said before. And that certainly would not have happened if those past, you know, the stories of the eating disorder and the abuse and all of that stuff, if it would have never happened. So I don't, yeah, yeah I don't hold any 
any grudges around that or, you know, anything. I'm, I'm grateful for it, for the experience. Yeah. I feel like also you are, you're such a powerful example of somebody who's come from, so people will say like, I'm too scared to share my heart. Mm-hmm. I'm too scared to be me. But like, you did it. Yeah. You went from a very scary place. And look at you now, sharing wide open, heart on your face, yeah. love in every single word that comes out of your mouth or out of your fingers. Yeah. People are so scared to share themselves and it just, it comes back to that fear of judgment and fear of just being vulnerable and fear of what others will think of them and fear. But you guys, we all, we just all have those stories. We all have things that we are shameful of that we regret that we did or things that we said. And you think that you're the only ones carrying that heaviness, but you're not. I promise you, you are not the only one um, with whatever that is. And, you know, I had somebody um, come up to me and, or actually he didn't come up to me. He wrote me an email and it was so powerful because he had been following me on social media and um, on Instagram and then Facebook and stuff like that. But then he wrote me this amazing letter and to be able to know that I was interacting with this human, but not knowing his story, but then coming and sharing that with me and being able to see him, like he's carrying this story. And I would have never known that even though we'd interacted a zillion times. And that's with everybody. Like I find that just so amazingly powerful to be able to see somebody like that and their, in their complete transparency with whatever they're sharing with me. And so for you guys listening too, like I said, it doesn't mean that you have to air your dirty laundry. You don't have to just go and shout it to the world or embarrass, think you're going to embarrass your mother or anything like that, because that's certainly not the case. But, um, you know, I just, I just find it amazing to be able to connect on this level with people, especially whenever you step in your truth and you are your authentic self, you share those stories, you connect with other human beings. Like it allows us to just be, and how amazing is that? Like, Neither of us have makeup on right now, Kelsey. Like we're just here like sharing stories and just being like, I don't feel like I have to show up as anybody else other than myself. And a couple of years ago, that girl would not have been who I am today. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's amazing to be able to do that. I was just thinking earlier today about how we're meeting so many people right now. And we don't know, we don't know their stories. Yeah. And we, I mean, and we make them up instead. Yeah, We just yeah. don't know where people are coming from. We don't know. If you didn't share your story, Grace, there'd be no reason to think, oh my God, she's been through domestic violence and an eating disorder. And, it, you know, you just think she's like a perfect entrepreneur. Yeah. Oh, that's not the case. Please don't anybody. <laughs> <laughs> That's certainly not the case. I feel like sometimes I'm crawling through the mud. Um, Mm. And I think, you know, we all feel like that from time to time, but you're right. Um, Even as a nurse, you know, I'm a labor and delivery nurse. And so I see women often at their most vulnerable state, having a baby, you know, mama's no, you know, exposed (laughs) for the world to see. But oftentimes 
you know, them sharing their stories or just we're all walking around carrying those. And I think for me, sharing mine allows me to see others with radical empathy. You know, it allows me to just know that Kelsey, you're carrying yours, you know, that Mike's carrying his, that your husband's carrying his and, you know, all, all the people that we need from, from the person at the grocery store, you know, I wore, um, uh, you are a story worth loving. I wore this t-shirt to the grocery store and, um, just to be able to open up like those conversations and things that people share with me. And that is amazing because we're all, we're all just carrying these stories within ourselves and just going about our days. And, and sometimes we just don't take the time to appreciate that. And that's okay too. You know, it is who we are as a society, but when we do take the time to appreciate that and see each other, like it, it is so powerful. Like it is so, I feel like it's just like, it's like soul shifting, you know, like, allowing yourself to truly be seen by another human being. Yeah. It's my favorite thing in the world. Yeah, me too. And, and just knowing, you know, even though we're talking about it, you guys, you know, that it's possible for you to, to do that too. I, I sometimes hear people say, you know, I could never do that. But yes, you can. You certainly can. Anybody listening, you can, you can do that. You can have that connection. You can, you can show up as you are, as you're meant to be without the mass, the filters, the facades, with your stories, with your baggage, you know, that you're carrying with you. You can, you can show up with all of that and still be you and still be loved. And if it's easiest for you listeners, start with us. Oh like, yeah. Share it with Grace. Share it with me. Yeah. We'll, we'll show you that it's safe. Mm-hmm. And that you're loved no matter what. Yeah, every single time. Yep. Mm-hmm. There are certainly safe places, safe places to do that, communities. And, you know, I, I would not have known about this a couple of years ago. Um, but then, you know, it, it's, it's just starting, you guys. It's starting, starting those first steps. And so if this is a first step, listeners hearing this that it's possible take it like it's an invitation take it and come on you know yeah as you are you know and and let whoever help you do those things step into your truth share your story you know have your confidence find your awesome all those things yeah well let's wrap it up on that note yeah, yeah, amazing. Oh my gosh, so much fun. Grace, I adore you. How can people learn more about you? How can they follow you and get yeah. all Grace? Yeah, I am on Instagram. Well, I haven't been for two weeks, so. <laughs> um, but I am on Instagram at Grace Presley. And um, you can also go to a storyworthloving.com. Um, I have all a story worth loving stuff on there. And then I have a free Facebook group called you are a story worth loving. And then I have some fun community stuff coming out soon. So I'm super excited for that. Oh, and I have a podcast. Um, I co-host with Kimberly Borges. Um, it's called we need to talk, which is launching soon. So excited. So much goodness. And you guys, if, if, Listeners, if you happen to be the type of person who just looks at the pictures on Instagram, read Grace's words, please. Oh, thank you. Thank you.
<laughs> Grace, thank you. Oh, thank you, Kelsey. You are beautiful. Oh, you are too, friend. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to continue the conversation, please head over to Facebook and join the group Find Your Awesome with Kelsey Abbott. It's free. And if you want more than that, go to my website, kelseyabbott.com. And there you can sign up for my newsletter and get a series of free guided meditations. And I would really appreciate it if you could head over to the podcast app and leave a review of the Find Your Awesome podcast. Your reviews help other people learn about this podcast. Thank you so much. That's all I've got for you, friends. Go forth and be awesome. Awesome.